Hey everyone, I'm Sheree. And I'm Han. You're listening to It Just Got Real. So Han, you've been on quite the fundraising journey as of late. Mm -hmm. And I am curious if that's been heating up for you this week. Yeah, thanks for asking. It's been a journey. We started off like fundraising during COVID and then we were like, wow, this is not a thing. So we needed to put it on pause. And we recently came back to it and have been going at it. And this week I was pitching a new deck that I built last week. And it was a very, very different feeling to the meetings. And my moment was, it pays to be opinionated. And I'm kind of kicking myself for not recognizing this because as a creative person, I know that like opinion and point of view is like one of the most important things about design. Like you can't become a great designer if you don't have a point of view. You really have to have a specific style or an aesthetic or like a way that you see the world, a specific lens that's like yours. And it's kind of like that good art makes you look thing. Like no one's, you, I want people to say something, whether it's like negative or positive. I want a reaction from them as opposed to just like, oh, that's nice. And I think my old pitch deck wasn't opinionated enough. And this one is very much like, this is the thesis. We're a personal video network. If you're not down with this, like there's no reason for us to talk. (laughs) And actually, um, some of this advice came from Charles, shout out to Charles on this pod where he was like, You can ask people up front, like, do you agree with this thesis? Because if they don't, you're never going to get them there. And he was like, I actually do this when I pitch people too. And I was like, that's so smart. It makes a lot of sense, especially if you're pitching something that is a category where you think people may have problems with certain aspects of it. And so like having that opinion really embedded in every single page of it, I think made it a much, much stronger conversation tool this week. Mm -hmm. And so that's like my sort of nitty gritty business takeaway. And also for everybody listening is like, I think it can be really tempting to be a little bit of like something for everybody, cast a wide net, thinking of them as opportunities when in fact... I think we need to think of ourselves as the opportunity and like be, be very clear about what that opportunity is in a hyper opinionated way. And like either you vibe or you don't vibe and that's okay. <laughs> I love that. I think my question for you is also around like, I think some of it is like opinion. And I think part of being opinionated is having conviction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think when people are trying to bet on you, part of what they're looking for is conviction yeah. that you have around what you're building. Mm-hmm. Because without it, like, how are you going to weather the journey of like building something from scratch? So it's like, yes, an opinion, but I wonder if there's also a bit of it that's like having conviction in your approach and why it's the best and really arming yourself. Today I did, um, Tastemakers had our event called The Thread um, and we did the sixth edition of it today. And I did this fireside chat with my friend, Daryl Homer, who is an Olympian. He won the silver medal in fencing Hmm. at the Rio uh, Olympics. And now he's like training for Tokyo. But one of the things Daryl spoke about was like in a competitive, like, I mean, if you're going to the Olympics, everybody's good. Right. And he made this statement where he was like, everybody's good, but I am the one. Mm. And he was like, that is like the thing he has to arm himself with in competition, in, you know, prep. And he was saying that 
since he started fencing, I think as an eight-year-old. Wow. It's been like this mentality of like, everybody is good, everybody is prepared, but I'm the one. And I think sometimes as women, we are not always encouraged to have that kind of attitude about things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's looked at as in opposition to others. Mm -hmm. You know, we're in the world of like, everybody's equal. And I think it actually has nothing to do with equality. I think it's about you having conviction about what you're doing and the unique way you're going to do it. And I think that's where that's like being opinionated sort of also comes through. Like at the end of the day, if you're making it to a partner meeting, you know, with a VC or you're making it to a fundraising meeting, the other people making it to that meeting are also prepared and working on a thing, but like- They're also good, yeah. You have to believe, but you are the one. Like you have to have that baked into your DNA and it doesn't mean being inflexible, but you do have to have a certain sense of like, I am the one for this thing. Yeah. This is where that like little bit of founder ego comes in. Like you have to have some of it. And in general, ego is usually not talked about as a good thing. It's usually not a positive thing. And plenty of, there's plenty of founders out there that have too much of it and are running around with (laughs) startup founders that give it a bad name. Mm -hmm. But I think for women, like that's almost never a problem. Like every woman I've talked to, it's like, no, you need to, you tell me this, right? You're like, you need to be your own hype woman, right? Yep. You need to have that a little bit of ego. I love that you said that because it really, it it's a great anecdote to this other learning, which is like, you are the opportunity, which is something that my friend Amelie told me. And I think like going into fundraising that way or going into a job interview or whatever it might be that you're doing, instead of you looking at them as the opportunity to give you this thing, it's like, you have to go in with the mindset that like, I am the opportunity mm-hmm. for these people not the other way around. Mm -hmm. And when I started thinking about it like that, it also makes it a lot easier to be opinionated because you can be like, I'm the opportunity and here's why, Mm -hmm. which is also something that my, um, our new friend Vernon recommended to me, which is like, have the real cornerstone of your narrative. So like, I know how to do this because I'm X, Y, Z, which is like why I'm the only person that can do this. And this is my pitch now. And like, but really bring it back to like that cornerstone all the time about like what makes you special and like why you're the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I think those three things combined have like, they're things that you kind of know or you hear in passing, but I find with fundraising, like actually it's so psychological (laughs) that like having a good pitch deck, doing the meetings, all that stuff is important. But actually the most important thing is having the right psychology going into it and like maintaining that psychology throughout the meeting and not giving up your power during the meeting. Yeah. Like those are the things that are actually make or break. I love the piece around knowing that you are the opportunity. I had a conversation with a friend this weekend and she was just like, how did you do it? Like, how did you raise the money and how has it been? And I was like, look, I still am working through that sort of no one gave me anything. They bought something from me. Yeah, they purchased. They didn't give anything to me. Mm-hmm. They made a purchase in hopes of making more money. Yeah. And it was like, I think sometimes if you are a woman or you're from a group of people that is not traditionally getting backed um, in the same numbers, 
I do think there is this feeling of like they're doing something for me, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, and the reality is nobody is doing VC or investing as a charity. Absolutely not. Everybody's doing it so they can be rich. Like, yeah, it's like one of the most capitalistic pursuits. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's like, do they like me as a person? Great. Do they respect my journey? Blah, blah, blah. Great. Are we going to have some beers? Great. But the premise is I'm going to be able to make some money off of this deal. Yeah. That is what's driving Everything. a $700,000 check. It is nothing but yeah. that. And maybe these other things start making you feel comfortable with the idea of doing it. Mm-hmm. But no one's investing in you because they're doing you a favor. Yeah. They're doing themselves a favor. Absolutely. By seeing an opportunity and saying, I got to be a part of it. Yeah. And having that mindset of like, I'm the opportunity about everything, about wealth, about dating, about pitching, like all these things where you're like, you know, like you said about um, the story with the Olympics, like, you know, there's other people that are good, but like, I'm the one, like having that mentality is, is critical. And I think for women or for underrepresented groups, this can be super hard because it's very rare that we get singled out as an opportunity. Like I've had so many experiences, I've had so many negative experiences in my career where people have like used my work and then like gaslit me or like, you know, stolen my designs or like not promoted me. Like I've had more, unfortunately, I've had more of those experiences than I have had of the ones where people are like, oh, wow, you're the one. And so it's really hard to keep that in the back of my mind always, but it's like so, so critical. And it is a mindset shift because as soon as you're like in that mindset all the time, then I think the good things start coming like much more easily than when you're like, oh, this is hard. I can't do it. Or like, I'm not like them. (laughs) Actually, that's the point. You aren't like them. You're like you. Yeah. You're like you. You've got your idea. You've got the thing you're building and working on. You've got a unique perspective that you're bringing to the table. And the whole point of the whole thing is to say, my perspective is the right one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are other people trying to do something cool with video, but they're not me. They don't have a background in design. They haven't been working in music all all their life. They don't know, you know, how to transition companies and to be able to keep your head while you're, you know, twilighting something that everybody loves. They don't know those things, but I do. And I'm bringing all of those things into trash. And that's why you need to get behind it Mm -hmm. because it's going to blow up. It's just, (laughs) you know, are you coming? Absolutely. And that's like that. I mean, it's like big dick energy. Like that's what it is. Like it it is is that. It absolutely is. It's an interesting mindset to adopt, but it is mission critical in the space that we're in. I think, I don't think you raise. I don't think you succeed because even outside of fundraising, otherwise you'll be so stuck looking left and right. You know what I mean? Like if you don't have that conviction that the thing you think is right, you'll start like picking it up from other people and get Mm -hmm. like, you know what I mean? So I think even operationally that mindset is doesn't mean you don't learn from other people, but I think you do got to have like a very clear compass of the path you want to take to have at least a baseline for shifts you take, but knowing like you have a solid foundation in your own approach. Yeah, 100%. So huge shout outs to all the people that helped me with that, Charles and Amelie and Vernon, who made a moment this week and um, and why it's so important to be opinionated about who you are and why you can, you are only you are the person that can do this. I love that. 
I feel like that's a good segue for what we're going to talk about next. It literally is. I was just thinking to myself, huh, you know who else is opinionated? Kamala Harris. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this is actually like kind of the perfect way to have this conversation. Absolutely. So if anyone is happened to be living under a rock, Kamala Harris is officially our vice presidential nominee on the Mm -hmm. Democratic ticket. Major. Major for so many reasons. So many. But one of the things I think is super interesting is when you unpack why Joe Biden ultimately went with Kamala. One is, I think, her relationship with Bo, and that I think a lot of people underestimate. Like, they've already known each other Mm. through that relationship. But even when you read some of the commentary, a lot of it centers on the fact that she went in on Joe Biden in the debates. Mm. It was like she tore him a new one in one of the debates. And I have been pretty inspired by that because I think it's the first time I've ever heard of a woman, especially a Black woman, Mm -hmm. actually being applauded for having that in her. Yeah. Like having that spice that like, I don't want to say attack because it kind of... It's like assertiveness or opinion, which are really important things in business or politics. Exactly. And so the fact that that was seen as one of the final determining factors Hmm. was that she had some bite Hmm. and he knew she could go toe-to-toe with President Orange and Mike Pence. And they needed someone that was going to have some bite right now. And the fact that it was a Black woman, or I should say a Black and South Asian woman, in a world where I think, honestly, you know, Black women have a bad rap and South Asian women have a history of you know, voices being supposedly silenced, Mm -hmm. but also Indira Gandhi's. So it was really interesting to me that that quality about Kamala was something that was written about in a fairly positive way. Yeah, that is like a real milestone because it has been a long time coming for women to be allowed to be assertive and opinionated and not get called the word that comes to mind. I'm not going to say it. Like, it's been so frustrating to me for my whole career. Like, the number Mm -hmm. of times I've been told to, like, can you just turn it down a few notches? Or, like, you know, maybe if you could just go in a little less hot. Or, like, do you really have to say those things? And I'm like, well, yes, I do. (laughs) But after time, I have to admit, like, I've mellowed. And a lot of those comments have, like, ground me down a little bit. And, like, Mm. I'm just so impressed that she has not let that get to her. Like, she's still doing it. I imagine politics, it's a very, well, it's a very political place, right? And you have to like kind of play the part. And I could see myself if that was my job, like trying to fit in and trying to like do the things. And she's not doing that at all, which is so impressive to me. Right. And I think the other part is the beautiful thing about Kamala's journey is that it reflects so many people authentically in a way that I really felt the convention finally brought full circle. Like, I'll be the first to tell you, like, I was not, like, the number one Kamala fan during the primaries. Hmm. But I also realized part of that was, like, internet information. Mm -hmm. Like, I had to have a conversation with myself, like, Shrey, are you just, like, casually reading Black Twitter? 
forming an opinion on this person? Mm. Or do you like even really know these horrible things she did? <laughs> and, I, and I thought that was like an interesting thing to have with myself. Yeah, especially right now. We right. should all be doing that. Like, where are we getting our news from? Right. And where are we forming these opinions and joining the chorus of the internet with a second when we haven't done our own research? Mm-hmm. But I think one of my favorite parts about her story is that she reflects the multitudes that we as women should really be leaning into. And I think that spans cultural identity, her career choices, her family life. Like this woman got announced to the Democratic National Convention as a woman who was equally proudly South Asian and Black. Mm -hmm. You know, her Indian story is just as important to her as her Black story. Mm -hmm. And I think even that, like, is powerful in a world where people and definitely women are put in these really, like, one-note, linear sort of ideas of self. Super narrow, like, boxes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Constantly we're fighting to be in a more expansive box. And she was just like, fuck your boxes. <laughs> basically. Basically. And I think that that's, like, really refreshing and exciting. And I mean, I would imagine that coming up as a DA, cutting your teeth that way yeah. is pretty serious. I mean, the world of law, like, all of that is not in many ways, like built for us, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. But she has consistently navigated those spaces and still feels like an actual person with a personality and with the, you know what I mean? She just, yeah, something about her is just super solid, Mm -hmm. but super inspiring in terms of like, just her journey. She believes that she is the opportunity. That is for sure. Exactly. Even the way she accepted the nomination, there was a sense, at least to me, and this is maybe me projecting, but like, I kind of felt the energy of like, you definitely needed to have me on this ticket. I'm (laughs) excited about you, but like, I'm also like here. She did the proper like deference and support of Joe Biden and all of that. I definitely was more emotional during her speech than I planned to be, Mm. which was like surprising to me. But I think she owned the space. Like she knew that she brought considerable value. Mm -hmm. I don't think she's going to even be a typical VP, to be honest. No, I hope she I really don't. I hope she rewrites how that works because she should. Yeah, I think that she is going to have some wind in her sails that we don't traditionally see. Because VPs are usually chosen to sort of make the least amount of noise. Mm -hmm. Look at Tim Kaine, who Hillary picked. She has to do a very different thing. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, she's, if I think back to the most recent vice presidents, I mean, in many ways, it's not too far off from how Obama picked Joe Biden. Yeah. Like he knew what the concerns were about him and he picked Joe Biden to soften them. And in many ways, that's what Joe Biden is doing with Kamala. And how beautiful is it that we're at a time where a woman, a woman of color, a Black woman, whichever acronyms you want to use, is the solve Mm -hmm. at the highest level, you know? Like, I just think it's phenomenal. I'm really, really excited in a way that 
is a bit surprising to me hmm. because I didn't expect it to be. It's obviously different than Barack Obama. Yeah. I've been asking myself why, though, because I it's as historic. Yeah. You know, so I've been wondering what that's about. Um, but I also had a really funny conversation with someone who was talking about, like, people have been talking a lot about the enthusiasm gap with Joe Biden. <laughs> and one of my friends was like, I don't need to be enthusiastic. I just don't want to die. Yeah. And it was just like <laughs> this idea that we're going to be enthusiastic about who's the president is actually, I feel like, a weird, like, post-Obama world where we all were, like, projecting our biggest hopes and dreams on the president. Mm-hmm. Nobody was that enthusiastic about anybody before then. Yeah. And I think we're now like looking for that high again. And it's like, it's actually not necessary. It's not necessary. I would prefer less excitement. It's also such an American thing. Like whenever I hear people talk about that stuff, I'm like, God, what is it with you, all of you? And like your president's needing to be like charismatic and like enthusiastic. It's like, this is not The Bachelor, okay? This is the president of the United States. Like, why don't you pick the person that's going to do the best job? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, nope, nope. But it's not like that here at all. We want to have the feels. It's like so dramatized and it's Who just do you like have a beer so with? much story and like, yeah, it's all, it's a lot of flashy lights in the U.S., which I've gotten used to, but um Maybe she brings some excitement, which is fine. No, she totally does. I mean, she raised more money the day of of her announcement than he had like the whole fundraising cycle in one day. Wow, I didn't realize that. That's a single day record. I think there was one part that kind of annoyed me. And maybe this is like my own sort of beef with the whole like who we're supposed to be is like family women and mothers. Mm. I think like bring it. Yes. Obviously, she (laughs) cares about her kids. She loves her family and her husband, but there did seem to be this like, and I guess this is like, maybe it was also Joe Biden doing it too, but this like, I'm mama first kind of thing hmm. where it's like, there's no way in hell that you're like mama which is like her mom nickname first when you're like a whole ass district attorney with probably crazy freaking hours. Like I think Sometimes when women do the like, I'm a mom first, when they're like a super successful woman, mm-hmm. I kind of roll my eyes. Yeah, because I mean, for sure you have a nanny. Come on. It's fine. You don't need to be super woman. You don't need to do it all. And that's what <laughs> rubs me the wrong way. Cause I'm like, I'm sitting here in the struggle with this 12 year old anxiety every day about like, what the hell am I doing with him? Feeling like in my startup, I don't have all the same hours as somebody else. Cause I have to take care of an actual person by myself. Mm-hmm. And here you are like, I'm you know, mom in chief first or, you know, these kind of things yeah. that I feel like a lot of successful women do. But they like only say that once they're successful and get there. I don't know if they're saying that when they're in the struggle. And I find it very outdated. Like, I think that that is a type of feminism that's like many waves back now that like is sort of was like, I, I associate that with like the 80s and the power suits. It's like the I'm going to do yeah. everything. Like I'm going to be like the boss and I'm going to have a family and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And like these women of the 80s that were trying to prove that they could do like absolutely everything. And like, hey, guess what? It's just not possible. There's only 24 hours in a day. Nope. It's totally okay to hire people to help you get to your goals. Like I think where we're at now in 2020, it's like a very different kind of feminism that it's like, People aren't going to shame you for hiring a nanny or like 
making different choices about like childcare or whatever. Like mm-hmm. that's cool now. And like, that's how it should be. Women deserve to have those choices <laughs> and like yeah. not pretend that they're doing all of and it. And we don't have to like remind everyone we're a good mom every yeah, five seconds. That's bullshit. And like PS, all these dudes that like rose to the top of companies, you think they were raising a bunch of kids at the same time? Hell no. So like, you know, mm-hmm. it just doesn't make any sense. I'm with you on that one. Yeah, that part, I was just like, really? We're doing this? This feels unnecessary. That's old-fashioned. Right. So there was that. I also will say I was kind of over the whole Republicans at the Dem convention. (sighs) Maybe if their speeches were better, I would have been more into it. But it just felt like there was space taken up by like Mm. these people that, I mean, it's funny. It even makes me think about your moment. It's like, why aren't we understanding that like our platform as Democrats is the opportunity for America. Why are we still trying to like court everybody else? Yeah. Republicans are not trying to court us. Let's just be opinionated. Yeah. So why are they there? They're not out here trying to figure out how to pull Democrats over to Donald Trump. Like that is not a thing. They're trying to stand on their agenda, which they've been pushing in front of us and subversively for years, Mm -hmm. like they've had like a multi-decade strategy from redistricting to appointing federal judges, Mm -hmm. like tunnel vision and conviction. And now making Americans afraid of the post office. All of that. And so so that they can probably try to privatize it. Good job, (laughs) y'all. Right, right. So for me, for the Dems, I just kind of was like, I mean, I guess big tent. But how about you just really get clear on these policy proposals Mm -hmm. and give us our 50-year plan to reshape America? Because these Republicans are actually, like, out here ready for the world. And I was just like, we need to get together. Why are they in a part of the Dem debate? Like, why is that a thing? I mean, I think part of it was to show that, like, there are defectors to Trump. I think part of it was to show that Joe Biden's going to get stuff done because he's not going to be so partisan. But I think, like, for me, one of my beasts with Obama was that he wasn't partisan enough. Mm. He was always willing to, like, let's compromise. And meanwhile, Mitch McConnell was like, I'm a racist (laughs) and I'm not letting this black man even appoint the Supreme Court judge that he's due. Yeah. And so I'm like, at what point are y'all going to be like, you know what? Fuck this. We're doing our thing. You know, Medicare for all, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I just don't understand why that was necessary. And what their expectation is on what Congress is going to look like should they win. Mm -hmm. You know, if Joe and Kamala win, I don't think the Republicans are going to be digging their heels in any less than they've been. And so you inviting all of them to take up multiple spots at the speaking slots instead of AOC speaking longer or Mm -hmm. who a lot of people felt like should be speaking and wasn't Mm -hmm. that for me was a miss but it also like doesn't matter in the big grand scheme of things in the grand scheme of things like i'm pretty sure we're gonna have vice president kamala harris and i really hope that it ushers in what i think is already in progress which is women really being dynamic and owning our dynamism in all of its parts, not just at work, but at home. I really hope that seeing that representation, not just for us, you know, that are sort of into our careers and into our things, but particularly for young women and girls. Like I really think her being in there with this 
multifaceted identity means that a lot of people will do what they did with Obama. They will project their hopes and dreams onto that person. Yeah. But I think as a woman, it it holds a different weight. Absolutely. Like I'm already like, what's she going to wear to the inauguration, which I know is horrible and we yeah. shouldn't be doing that. But I'm, I think it would be really, really powerful to see what happens with the Kamala VP, like confirmed, elected, and in office at inauguration. Because I also think it brings us one step closer to something we should have had already, which is a woman as president. Absolutely. I think she gets in as long as they do well and the world like doesn't end. Because- as long as they do well. So like the thing that I've had in the back of my mind the whole time we've been talking about this, which is a, a subject I feel qualified to talk about because it's happened to me multiple times is you mentioned what if people project, right? And mm-hmm. What concerns me is like, oh, shit, I hope it's not a glass cliff situation. So for those listening who aren't familiar with this term, glass cliff is something that usually women get placed on that is like a job that is impossible. So instead of a glass ceiling that you can't break through, it's like a cliff that you're standing on. There's like no way out. And mm. and I've been there multiple times in my career and like you can read the Wikipedia article on it. It's about how when a job is so difficult that nobody wants it, women are more likely to be nominated for the role because they're considered to be more empathetic, more understanding, better peacemakers, mm. spicier, like more, you know, more opinionated, whatever it might be. Women are seen to be able to do these more difficult jobs. They're seen to be able to do things that men wouldn't do or can't do. And therein lies the problem, which is like, it's harder to succeed as a woman in politics or in business or whatever, because we get these jobs where we're like set up to fail from the beginning. So the mm. province that I come from, Alberta, had a woman, um, premier when I was like growing up in the 90s and this she was the first woman premier and this is exactly what happened to her it was like a total glass cliff situation and there's many other like the wikipedia article cites many examples of this Mm. and I'm just like crossing all my fingers and toes right now and like praying that this is not the case this time Mm. because it is a hard job what she's like what's going to happen next like who knows and like you say if it goes well this is going to go down in history as like one of the most remarkable things and it's going to be amazing but if it doesn't go well, mm-hmm. that's going to be like a really tough beat to have to march to for sure. Absolutely. I'm pretty confident in November, despite <laughs> the state of affairs. I just hope that everyone really takes this like, I have never been so, se- I mean, I, I vote, but the level of like, I'm making sure I get my absentee valid. I'm making sure I mail it the day it comes. Like, I just know that it is so critical to everything we know and love, and not just as Americans. Like, let's be clear, like, the state of affairs in the world in a Donald Trump era is pretty rough. Yep. I think it is beautiful to see some other countries progress and, like, rise to the occasion. And and I'm excited about a world where it isn't sort of these 20 countries and everybody else below them. Like, I think we do need to deal with, like, nation-state inequity. Mm. But at the same time, I think that the role the United States played in the world, while complicated, for most of my life, my opinion was that it was good. And I think we are at risk for just, I don't know, like, we're already in an economic downturn. But I really, really worry 
about what four more months of instigation, racism, violence, violence, carelessness. Mm -hmm. Like I'm really concerned about lack of seriousness around coronavirus. Yeah. Four more months could be really debilitating. Everything. Like it's too long. He's already done a ton of damage at the generational level. And so I am really, really bullish on Kamala and Joe. One, because I'm just proud and excited, but also because it's not even like a nice to have. It's like a must have for survival. And I think it's really important that people get that and they don't get into these. I think the challenge with the internet is everybody thinks they're a damn expert policy analysis, you know, judger Mm -hmm. of all people and things and analyzer just because they have a medium post. Like it's a lot. And I think people really need to understand what's at stake here and really need to like lean into this constitutional right that we have and like make it count in this election because our lives literally depend on it. Mm -hmm. Like they really, really do. We do not have the option of opting out and still thinking we're okay. You know, I, I really feel passionate about that. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. No problem. It is both a record scratch and a culture moment all in one this week. It's also a good place to end the episode. It's perfect. (laughs) So key takeaways, be opinionated, choose a side, Yes. like stand by what you believe in and really force the conversation. Like, do you agree with this? And if people don't like, that's cool. You're not vibing, like walk away and find the people that do and To do that, you have to really believe that you're the opportunity because like Sheree said, many people are good, but you have to believe that you're the one and that your unique experience is what makes you the opportunity to to be able to do this specific thing and have that opinion. And that is what is the cornerstone of your narrative, which is the third most important thing is to like have that thing that's like, this is why me and hang everything on it. Those are the takeaways. That's the episode. Awesome. It has been great chatting to you all per normal. Give us some feedback. Holler at us at Got Real Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Subscribe. Let us know how it's going. Let us know if there are things you want to hear that we haven't gotten to yet. But we'll be back next Thursday with another episode. Bye. Bye.